Hello again, skating fans, and welcome to another edition of the Skate Canada Alumni Podcast. Our new monthly feature of the Skate Canada Alumni Blog will be an opportunity for us to sit down and chat with some of our most celebrated alumni about their past, their present, and their future. All of the stories you'll hear in our monthly episode, or what you'll find posted to alumni.skatecanada.ca, are opportunities for our alumni to tell their stories and share their experiences with the entire skating family. Some stories will be familiar, but most will be memories and behind-the-scenes insights which the world has never heard. They are all delivered lovingly and with tremendous passion for the sport that has given each of us so much. If you caught our first episode, we hope that you enjoyed our interview with Craig Bunton. If not, we invite you to catch up at any time on your favorite podcast player, including iTunes, Google Play, Pocket Casts, many more, or directly through our blog. Today we're in for a treat. Two of our very own alumni, who have been longtime friends, are going to be sharing their experiences of transitioning out of competitive skating, and in one case into a fulfilling career assisting Olympic athletes with training plans and choreography. Leading our conversation today and fresh off of a cruise ship, we have world championship competitor and four-continent silver medalist Chris Maybe. Joining Chris, we have four-continent bronze medalist and two-time Canadian national bronze medalist pair skater and skating coach Elizabeth Putnam. Hi everyone, uh, this is Chris Maybe, uh, 2006 Canadian men's silver medalist. Uh, I'm here doing an alumni podcast. I have a wonderful guest. Her name is Elizabeth Putnam. She's a two-time national bronze medalist and 2006 Four Continents bronze medalist. Welcome, Liz. Thank you. Thank you. How are you, my dear? <laughs> I'm wonderful. And how are you? I'm just fantastic here, living the dream. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Liz, we've been friends for a really long time. Uh, yeah. So, how do you want to explain to people how we met, where we met? I think it was in Calgary. I don't even think I know anymore. It's been that long. Um, I think it was probably at a national team camp or possibly at a competition. I'm not sure. It's that it was <laughs> that's decades ago. But um, well, we, I know we always had that like uh, that bond. We both trained with Paul Wirtz, but at different times. Yes. Uh, yes but I think it was national team camp in Calgary, and I believe we were bonding over America's Next Top Model. That sounds about right. You know, something yeah. super masculine <laughs> for me to bond over with you. I think we were probably <laughs> take, posing and taking photos in in a corner somewhere when we should have been probably listening to something essential to figure skating but <laughs> that yes that that's okay any more true <laughs> um, um i actually it was funny i was looking through photos the other day and i found the photo of us um i believe you're we wearing a white dress a and we were on like a little boat cruise and we always refer to this photo as uh the time when we had our lives together <laughs> <laughs> it's all about perception yeah exactly. it looks, it looks, it looks exactly. like we did anyway yeah um, you've had a really busy year this year, um, yes. but uh, before we move on to what you've been doing this year, um, I'm a big advocate of, uh, of uh, kind of the transition for athletes after skating. Can you kind of let everyone know what your transition was like and how you handled going from competitive skating to, I know you did show skating and, and then eventually into coaching and how the, all those transitions happened for you? Yeah. Um... I mean, I, I want to say that it was a, a graceful transition, but 
it wasn't it wasn't always um it definitely i definitely had some some ups and downs through that time and especially as a pair skater it was tough because it wasn't entirely i wasn't entirely ready to be finished i wasn't um totally prepared to to retire from competitive skating so i think that's it, there's another dynamic to that that's tough because um when you've decided to finish on your own terms or um as a single skater when you've decided you you're ready to move on it's you know that's your decision and you get to make that and and make that choice but i think for me i, I didn't feel entirely prepared for it and then um i kind of struggled then with uh, whether or not i was really finished and so the transition, um, especially in the beginning, was really tough. I did kind of, I wanted to pursue finding a new partner and um, trying to stay in for another few years. And then um, when there was no real possible um, prospects, I kind of then considered what was coming next and if it was school or, you know, trying to then kind of figure out what my what my other passions were. And I think that's um, something that so many athletes face, which is when you've, dedicated your entire life to one single thing you forget everything you forget what else you like you forget what other passions you have what other hobbies you have what other interests you have and so that was really tough for me I really had to go back and um it's funny I was always like joking that I, I felt like I was like 16 or 17 again because it was like at the end of high school when everyone's like what are you going to do next or what are you going to take in in university or what yeah. are your plans next and and yet I was going through that like in my 20s and so I just felt really vulnerable and lost and, and really unsure of what was coming next. And um, I spent about six months just kind of flailing and got a job at a restaurant and wanted to try and be quote unquote normal and um, sort of forget about the athlete that I was and um, try to just kind of create this whole new life for myself. And um, of course, about six months later, I was back on the ice <laughs> in shows and um, it didn't take long for me to remember like I, that I loved skating so much and that, um, although I wasn't competing anymore, I had found this, um, new avenue within the sport, which was, um, show skating and it was a whole new world to me. And, um, I sort of fell in love with figure skating all over again in just a completely different way. And it was the best thing. It was the best way for me to then sort of have, have that graceful transitions because when I decided to no longer, um, perform in shows again that was my choice and I was able to part with figure skating that way um, when I wanted to and, and I had all these amazing experiences being able to travel and perform and um, continue to grow as an athlete and as and more so as a performer um, and and when I felt that I had I think maybe when I had finished that you know unfinished business I was I was ready to move on and, and begin coaching so um, yeah it was a it was definitely it was a few years of, of sort of figuring all of that out and it was, it was tough. You feel lonely, you feel confused, you feel um, lost. And fortunately I had a, a small group of friends, present company included that were going through it <laughs> sort of at the same time. So, and we just, I had a lot of support through some really good friends that I had made within the sport and um, that fortunately were within that within that sort of time frame going through similar things going through that feeling of like stop and do I continue and how do I keep going and all those yeah. questions that you ask yourself so that was um essential to sort of surviving that that the hurdle of it of yeah, yeah 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 it was funny like you know being an ex-performer um uh like a ship performer as well 
I almost feel like I wish I would have done my career in reverse. Like I had done show skating first. Oh yeah, because I too. was such a different appreciation for her. <laughs> For like performing and and making yeah. sure I had really good skating skills because like when you fall on a jump in a show it's not as life ending as you're when you're doing it in front of thousands of people and you hear everyone gasping you know it's, yeah <laughs> um, so you like get over that really quick and it doesn't feel as life ending so I always thought that in my head that I would like would yeah. love to have done my career in reverse however it doesn't work that way um, no <laughs> no it's it's interesting because um, you know, it, it according to your Wikipedia, it's since it's announced on there, you're you are dating Patrick and Patrick Chan are amazing uh national. Did you did you get uh, that through Wikipedia? I mean not me personally, <laughs> but I had it confirmed on Wikipedia. Okay. <laughs> but um, you know, Patrick's also going to that moment um now and and how is it from from a partner's perspective, um trying to not hand not dealing with it because you don't want to seem like he's a burden but um but just like kind of managing his emotions and what he's going through as he kind of transitions into something new beyond competitive skating um well that's a really good question um and and interesting because i feel like i haven't really had the conversation um about transitioning from of skating or performing or skating into into other chapters of life um, until recently because because that is kind of where Patrick's at and um, obviously he's a big part of my life so it sort of feels present all over again and um, it's it's it feels really nice for me to know that I have experienced it and um, although there's not really necessarily answers or there's no sort of formula to help someone get through it it's something you really have to live and experience and it's a journey you just have to go on and um but at least i know i have lived it and i know that i came out the other side and um i i know that i can i can be a really good support to him um while he's experiencing all those emotions and i think there's you know there's things that I probably can sort of eliminate for him um, or just ways that I know I can support him that I that that, you know, helped me or just little ways that I can be, um, you know, a good partner to him while he's going through that transition. And obviously it's a little it's a, it's different um, for from for myself and for for him um, with everything he achieved in the sport and for how long he was involved in it. Um, it's interesting because I don't know if it's even. um if it's more difficult when you've sort of achieved everything you wanted to achieve or if it's less difficult because it's um, it's it's def really defined him and in such a in such a huge way in his life. And I think he obviously can look back at his achievements and think, you know, I really did it and I, I did it all. And it is it should be sort of like a. Okay, that's done, and and I'm, I'm going to move on to something else. But yeah. is it even tougher when you, when you've had that level of success? Yeah, you know. Sure. Um, so I don't know. I think it's uh, it's just it's <clears throat> definitely a conversation that's been more present in our household um, as of recently, and uh, so it's it's good because I feel like um, I can bring something. I can offer him something if it's just support. Um, at least I know what he's going through, and. Uh, I can be as helpful as I can and um, as supportive as I can. And sometimes that just means even like getting outside and going for a walk and um, getting out into nature, going for a hike, just kind of getting 
getting out of your head a little bit and um, just getting out into the world and those types of things. So, And I think you're also like kind of like daily proof on those hard days where uh, if he's having a hard time, like maybe just even a moment of like, God, am I, am I going in the right path? Am I doing the right thing? And you're just kind of like daily living proof that you'll get through it and you're, you're going to be fine. <laughs> You know. And you'll end up back in the rink. <laughs> uh, no, I, yeah, for sure. I think it is, it is, um, it is, yeah, living proof. It is, it's knowing that no matter what's going on right now or how tough some of those days get, um, you do kind of got to go, you, you got to go through it and you got to take that little journey and that, you know, go down that path of asking yourself all those questions. And, um, I think it is a bit of a personal thing. Like, you know, you do need, you do need to be able to go through that somewhat privately or, um, you know, it's not to sound cheesy, but it can be, you know, there's a bit of a spiritual journey that goes along with it too. And kind of reconnecting to yourself again and figuring out who you are and what you want and what do you want out of life. And, you know, it can be, it can get quite, you can really get in your head about it. And, uh, and I think it is important to give, um, someone like Patrick, the space to do that. Um, but then to also, you know, yeah, be there and be that person that's like, you know, I'm here, I survived it and I'm okay. And, you know, it, it, it only gets better. And, um, you know, just helping him look forward and seeing the, seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. For sure. So now, yeah. um, you got to go to Olympics and, and be a, a, an Olympic supporter. Uh, mm-hmm. How was that from your side to be sitting in the audience being like, oh, gosh, here we go. It's happening. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I was sitting as much as I was squirming and crying. Um, <laughs> but, um, it was incredible. It was obviously it was um, it was a goal and a dream that I never quite achieved myself. Um, so it was so incredible to be there um, to support someone um I love and uh, to be there to just experience the energy of a game. It's like it's whether you're there as a competitor or you're there as a spectator or as a coach or whatever capacity you're there in, it's there's like a buzz and an energy in the building. I think just it's the Olympic Games. It's there's yeah, there's one that one place in that one time. Yeah, and it's so that was really cool to experience that. Um, and obviously, not only was I there to support Patrick, but I um, also had a friend there. So it was it was even um, double doubly as special. It was just really incredible to be there and uh, just watch all these athletes coming together and um, sort of at this pinnacle moment of their lives of their careers for some it was the beginning and for some it was the end and obviously we know for team canada it was a um a big it was a very bittersweet sort of moment because we all knew that there was a lot of retirements coming after that so that felt again there was another layer of how special that was because i was there to witness sort of the last competitive moments for for some of our greatest a lot of Canadian major athletes. national team Canadian champions and yeah, like that's, yeah. That, was a, that was a big moment. I agree with you for sure. It was, it was, it was huge. So yeah, it was really special and um, extremely stressful. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, that's why you have wine after, and you're not competing, so yeah, you don't have fine. to worry about like getting lots of rest. Like who who cares that they were skating at 10 a.m. <laughs> by the time wine the event was done, you could have yeah. wine by noon. Exactly. 
yeah, so no, now, it was very special. Now, speaking of um, the Olympic Games, you were on the coaching team for a new Olympian and Canadian bronze medalist, uh, Larkin Osman. Now, yeah. she was, uh, to me, she was kind of the surprise of the Canadian uh, skating Olympic team. Talk us through her, some of her training, some of the stuff that you did for her to get her ready for mm -hmm. that. Uh, not only to get ready for Olympics, but to get ready even just for nationals, because that, that's like, it's such a, a pressure cooker moment, that Olympic qualify. Uh, oh, <laughs> you and I both know, because we both oh, yeah. rocked it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, but uh, how do you prepare oh, yeah. someone for something like that and just um, having them understand what that pressure feels like to even just qualify for an Olympic Games and just talk us through maybe like what you did um, in her training? Um, it was like, look at me and this is what not to do. Um, no, it was um, <laughs> it was it was. It's interesting because we had a planning meeting back in the spring, um, as we do an annual meeting at sort of the end of the season and sit and just sort of debrief and talk about the year to come and what the plans are, what the goals are, you know, all that stuff. And we talked about the Olympics last spring and we talked about the potential and the possibility of that third place spot. And uh, at the time, I remember sitting in the meeting and sort of looking over at Larkin and every every time the word Olympic was spoken by anybody, your eyes sort of widened and I would just sort of look 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 across the table at these big blue eyes that were kind of like she almost was like not quite ready to hear that she was capable of it. Yeah. She was almost kind of like, oh, that seems like that seems kind of scary. And um, so it was kind of interesting to watch her evolve throughout the season. It started off as what seemed like um a dream and, you know, sort of a far away possibility. And she slowly throughout the summer and throughout the fall with some bumps along the way, but through, through really, like just throughout the season, it was like watching her go from those big wide eyes of like, I don't know if that's even possible. And can we not really talk about this to watching her like narrow in and watching her grit her teeth and like watching those eyes become focused on a goal that was I'm going yeah. and by the by the week or two before Canadians she was like speaking like I'm she was going to be there and it was incredible to watch that sort of um transition from I don't I don't even know to I'm going yeah. and um it was it was it was definitely like any Olympic season it was really tough and um you know, there was there just moments throughout the training cycles that were uh, there was just days that you're you know you want to rip your hair out or you want to <laughs> <laughs> the usual just the usual stuff the usual figure skating stuff but um it was definitely we had a really disappointing skate Canada and um, that had to kind of come back to the drawing board and um, reevaluate some equipment issues and just some training stuff and. Um, Larkin, we kind of made the decision um, as a team, and Larkin was really excited to um, take some time to train in Colorado as well and reincorporate Christy Corral back into her um, into her training. And uh, it was kind of nice just to give her that change of scenery. And um, so that was interesting because we kind of worked. Um, I, I worked a lot in this in the fall with um, creating training plans for her, daily training plans. Yeah, and that's so actually one of the things I really love. Um, that you do 
um, that you just you give these athletes so much structure so that it's almost like mindless. Yes, exactly. They just come in and they go, this is the plan. I just got to do it. Exactly. It takes it takes the um, the work out of the head and just kind of into the body. And it it becomes just homework. It becomes a checklist. And like, who doesn't love a checklist? Right. Um, So it's just like, you know, when you can finish something and you can tick that box or you can like run a highlight over it and be like, okay, I've done that. And it just it's that like daily grind. And it just kind of. Um, it's also, I mean, I think for the athlete, it, it, it takes, it takes the work out of their head and it, you know, eliminates any of that aimless skating around or not what knowing what to do. What am I going to work on today? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I'll or do a long program this session, you know. Yeah. Or maybe I'll take out a spin or maybe I'll do this. That, that stuff has to be all, I believe has to be all strategized and planned and, um, on, and sort of, I mean, of course the, the plan will have to be adjusted. Um, all the time because things come up and things happen and life happens and um, you know you can only plan so much but I do believe that um, not only for the skater but for the coaches to have that week when you can look at it on paper and you know exactly what to what to expect each day um, I think it, it, it takes it almost out of the head uh, it takes it out of the mind of the coach as well like right. you can you're not there kind of trying to think on the fly or, or you know fly by the seat of your pants on what to do next or you know, wait, what, what did we do on Monday or did, when did we run the short and have we done a six minute warm up this week and have we practiced getting off the ice, taking the skates off, getting back on? Like, you know, if you, if you're not really kind of recording those things and, and keeping track, it's, it's easy to just get caught up in the daily stuff and, and in the moment and, and get caught up in the athlete's emotions. And it's, it's hard to stay grounded as a coach and as a trainer because you're, you're on that ride with them. And it can become, you become very emotionally attached. And so when they're having a bad day, you're having a bad day. And yeah. I found that often that, you know, if it, if it, things didn't go well, like I would, it's hard not to bring that home and it's not, it's hard not to feel that defeat yourself. Um, so I think when there's a bit more of a plan and it's a bit, um, you know, it's, it's, it's in black and white and it's just, it kind of, everyone comes in, they, they look at the plan, they know what has to get done. And then the athlete has to ex- execute and the, and the coach has to support and, and, you know, do everything they can to, to help with that execution. But it just, um, it's something that I've really, um, fallen in love with and, and especially through the summer, fall sort of season when all the choreography is done and the detailing and nitpicking is kind of shifting into, okay, now we, now we need, to, now we need to start running this. Like now we need to start getting this prepared for the, for a competitive season. And, um, it's something that I've, become very passionate about and uh, that I enjoy a lot so um Larkin was my my kind of my guinea pig because I've been doing it doing that for her now for several years so um I kind of felt that pressure a little bit of like okay I'm kind of planning the training for this Olympic season and I feel that responsibility to make sure she's ready and um luckily we've had you know a couple seasons to kind of trial and error and see what works for her and we know what's too much and what's not enough and so I think we kind of got it we finally got it right just before the just before Canadians and it's all about timing it's all about timing it's all about when when you lay it down and um I think she was definitely um sort of at the at the peak of her of her season right right at the right moment so that was that felt good for everybody so it's funny because you said um, partway through the season she decided that she, or uh, you guys had decided that she needed to go back to Colorado and and kind of touch base uh, in that training camp. I, like as a coach, 
it's got to be tough to kind of put your ego aside. And maybe this is not an issue for you, but I am sure it could be for other coaches to put your ego inside and be like, I just need to let this person have a change of scenery and let them go do their thing. Yeah. No, that's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good question too. Um, because you see it a lot, you see a lot of people, um, sort of bouncing from place to place or, you know, using a different choreographer each season or, you know, just incorporating different people into their, into their training. And I, 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 I don't know if it's that I'm still a fairly young coach and I still remember what that feels like when you're an athlete and you're training and you're in the same environment every day and you kind of just are craving that change of pace or change of scenery or, you know, you could be hearing the same technique from a different mouth and it just sounds different and it sounds new and it's just, or maybe it's your training mates or maybe it's the, the ice or the rink or the whatever. Sometimes it's, it can be the smallest things that are just a let that kind of kick, kickstart you again and, and reignite those fires that kind of are, they're hard to maintain throughout an entire competitive season. Like the competitive, the competitive season's long and, um, to expect an athlete to kind of come in and, and everyone's just so different. But to, you know, for Larkin especially, um, she, where she trains, she was the only one after, you know, middle of November that was really running any programs or having to continue to train into the, into the rest of the season. So I think for her, it was a bit of, um, it was a bit of a coaching thing that it was also a lot of an environment thing and just kind of being in a, in a rink where there were like, I think four or five other kids all training for the Olympics or training for nationals. So, um, I think for her, it was a lot of it was that. And I think as a coach, and as and as everybody on her team um, here in Vancouver, we were all like, you know, with just the, the warmest send off to, to we were like, we go like we we absolutely understand. And if that's what you need, um, there was really no part of me that felt there's a little bit of like loss of control, I think, of not <laughs> being able to not being able to see if you know what's um, what's being done every day. Um, it kind of comes down to like texting her like how did it go and you know relying on that um which is which can be a little tough but it was also just uh, like I said it's easy to let them go when you know it's really what they need and what they want and what they're craving and um it just it certainly wouldn't feel good to have her stay back home and and watch her struggle to find that motivation or you know be the be the only one out there on the ice or whatever the case is so um you know, luckily Larkin's team, um, with her, with her primary coach, Zdenek, um, Zdenek was just like ha- so happy to send. Her. He went down to Colorado for a couple of days as well to kind of be part of the team. And he's such a team player and, um, has no ego whatsoever. So he was just the, the, the best person. And so Larkin, like, um, I hope she doesn't like kill me for saying that, but she was very emotional when she, when she told them that she wanted to go, she was just in tears because that was her biggest fear was that he was going to be mad and, you know, gave her the biggest hug and was like, you know, sweetie, I would, I'm, I will, I'm going to stand and be on my feet clapping and no matter where you are or whatever's going on, like, you know, in, you know, you're not leaving us. You're just going away for a few weeks to go, yeah. and, you know, you know, get remotivated and just change, change it up and, you know, absorb as much knowledge as you can as an athlete. You want to, you want to take from everybody. You want to be as greedy as possible and go and do everything you can to be the, to be the most prepared you can. And I think, you know, um, as her coaches, 
you have to just respect that and support that and um, almost promote it, you know, like wherever you need to go, whatever you need to do, you do it. You be selfish and you go and, and you take what you need to take. So, yeah, and so like, um, what, a, what a sign of respect on her part. I mean, I, if, if I was a coach and my skater came up to me and was like, yeah, I'm just going to go away and I'm going to go train here for a little bit. Okay, I'll see you later. I would almost be a little bit more hurt about that and how well, nonchalant yeah, it yeah. was and um i just think yeah. it's so great that she you know she just respects um she respects you guys and respects your team that, that she has there in vancouver and yeah um and cares and cares about what what you guys think and how you how, guys yeah, feel yeah that was you know and sometimes cool. it just takes that one moment of, of saying it's okay you can go this is what's going to be best for you for to kind of yeah. give the athlete that chance to go there and just know that she's still supported even though she's not physically in Vancouver, which is a really yeah, good thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So moving forward, um, what, what are you, what are you up to, uh, <laughs> gearing up for the season? You know, there's that like post Olympic, uh, uh, lull probably that happens, yes, but, um, yeah. I know yeah. you're super busy. You're doing lots of choreography. Tell us what's going on, um, for you, uh, this season and maybe even beyond. Um, yeah, so I've been, um, keeping busy, um, with choreography. That's sort of my main passion, <clears throat> that and, uh, training plans. <laughs> um, so it's interesting because the, the season kind of, you know, the first half tends to be creating the programs and then the second half of the season is, you know, maintaining them and training them. So I'm coming, just coming to the end now of, um, finishing up the last few, programs that I'm doing this season and then um, I'm actually going to head off to France to do some uh, just a guest coaching at a camp in France um, and then also doing some guest coaching in Newfoundland um, which will be my third time going to Newfoundland uh, in the summer which is um, so much fun such a great group of kids and something that I really look forward to doing so um, and I am bringing dra dragging along my other half so um, he's coming fun. along for the ride. He's coming along for the ride. And, uh, you know, speaking of transitioning, I'm going to, you know, he's going to maybe get out on the ice and help out a little bit and sort of dabble in, in the world of coaching and see how that, um, how that feels. And, um, so yeah, we've got an exciting summer coming up and, uh, lots of plans and, <clears throat> and then moving into the fall, just getting, getting back to, um, getting back to the training and getting back staying in grind, Vancouver eh? and so back funny. to the it's grind. Like, and, it's a routine. Yeah. It is. It is. And, um, you know, obviously, uh, Larkin has two new programs this season. So, um, shoot the choreographed by Mark Pillay. And so I'll be maintaining, maintaining those for her and th like throughout the season and helping her prepare for hopefully the Grand Prix and, um, sort of just doing it all over again. So that's um, that's sort of all that's planned at the moment. Um, but lots of exciting little trips coming up and um, just continuing to I love being able to go away and coach in other places. I feel like I, I learned so much. It's the same. And I, again, back to skaters relocating where, um, you know, tapping into other training centers or moving or, you know, training somewhere else for the summer or for a few weeks. It's the, I think it's the same for coaches and um, relocating and, and uh, for a week or two or going to a camp or going to a seminar is helps you to continue to grow as a coach and, um, or a choreographer or who, you know, whoever I had the pleasure of um, standing in with uh, David Wilson while he created 
Patrick's um, Stars on Ice program. And I felt nice. like I learned so much just standing there listening and watching. And, um, you know, it's all those little experiences that just create create knowledge and, and it, it, ma- it just makes you feel like it's, it's a little bit of education every time you get to do that. And so um, I love that about the summer, being able to kind of go away here and there and um, just be around different skaters, different environments, watch how people warm up, watch how they cool down, watch their jumping exercises, watch how they, you know, begin the training run through process, you know, all right. those little things that you just, you absorb all of that from different environments and then you bring it back home and you have all sorts of new things to, to torture kids with. <laughs> <laughs> but in the best way possible with a smile. But in the most loving way possible. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that's that, kind of, that's, kind of where I'm at right now. That's awesome. That sounds, uh, that sounds yeah. really exciting. I look forward to hearing from you, uh, probably via text or FaceTime about all of this. Um, but Liz, I know you have to go. Thank you so much for, uh, <laughs> thank you so much for, uh, giving us your time. Uh, yeah. Liz, and again, Liz Putnam, two time Canadian bronze medalist, uh, here giving us a little bit of insight of what it's like on the other side. And thank yeah. you so much, Liz. I hope you have a great day. And, Thanks uh, for having me. Oh, absolute pleasure. We hope you enjoyed our conversation today with Chris and Elizabeth, and we thank them very much for taking the time to sit down with us and share their story. All right, and that brings us to the end of our second episode of the Skate Canada Alumni Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it, and we thank you so very much for joining us. Um, What we would ask you to do is to subscribe. That way you won't miss each of our monthly episodes that we're going to be releasing. So if you go through your podcast directory, that could be iTunes, that could be Google Play, uh, any podcast directory has got us. You just have to search for Skate Canada Alumni Podcast. It's really easy. Uh, That way you'll get an alert as soon as a new episode comes out. Uh, And if you haven't done so already and you're a Skate Canada alumni, we would also ask that you go to the blog, alumni.skatecanada.ca, and register. That's how we can stay in touch with you. That's how we can offer you special event packages. Um, And we've actually got a special event package coming up at the Grand Prix Final alumni event in Vancouver. So at the Grand Prix Final, that's the 2018 ISU Grand Prix of Figure Skating Final, Um, if you go to skatecanada.ca, you'll see the full details, but we have a special alumni package, which includes all day event tickets to both the junior and the senior events. You get alumni seating, VIP lounge access. You can attend an evening social and a champagne brunch. And that whole package is $349 valued at, uh, $555, but the, the alumni rate for that is $349. So if you don't want to miss out on that, uh, make sure you register so that we know that, uh, you know, we can stay in touch with you. We can keep you updated. We can send you those offers and we can let you know about some of the stories that are being told, the excellent stories, the, uh, on the, on the podcast or on the blog. And again, that's alumni.skatecanada.ca. Now, you may be wondering what's coming up in the next monthly edition of the podcast. I'm uh, happy to announce that Debbie Wilkes will be joining us again, the chair of our alumni committee, and she'll be sitting down with Mike Slipchuk. I'm not going to give you anything more than that, but make sure you join us. So subscribe to get those alerts, and we'll see you in a month's time. Thanks so much again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Chris and Elizabeth.